0: I'm Pat McKay, and this is Providence Ventures Radio, where we talk about funding the future of healthcare. That's been our focus. That will always be our focus. And we are glad to be back to that focus once again with some new faces and companies in the mix. Okay, I have two guests with me today. Dave Kariakis from Providence Ventures and Bob Klein from Boulder Surgical. Thank you both for being on the podcast. Bob, we'll start with you. You are a serial entrepreneur and executive with over 25 years of experience in the healthcare and life science industries. Most recently, you were president and CEO of Endoshape, then, president and CEO of Virosite, a company that develops and commercializes rapid virus quantification methods for leading pharmaceutical and biotech companies. You are also the founder, president, and CEO of MetaVance Incorporated which you built into the worldwide leader in therapeutic hyperthermia treatment for critically ill patients. Medavance uh, was acquired by C.R. Bard in 2011 for $260 million, which led to you being named Entrepreneur of the Year for the Mountain Desert Region by Ernst & Young. Prior to Medavance, you held senior management positions at Pfizer and Covidian. You also have a BA in Chemistry and MS in Microbiology, and you earned an MBA from the University of Colorado. Today, you are an operating partner of Havencrest Healthcare Partners and the president and CEO of Boulder Surgical, the subject of today's podcast. Did I accurately portray your last couple of years there, Bob?
1: Yes, you did.
0: Bob, I'd like you to tell us about Boulder Surgical, but I, but I want to point out when I first saw the name, I, uh, I had a moment where I said, Oh, Boulder Surgical. B-O-L-D-E-R, which is a new name, part of a rebranding launched at the beginning of this year. Um, And I like the new name. And as a, uh, you know, certainly as a communication professional, I I understand the need to evolve a brand. But Louisville, Colorado, where Boulder is based, is right outside of Boulder. B-O-U-L-D-E-R, a city named after a very large and ungainly rock. (laughs) So when you attend professional events, in my mind, you get a lot of Oh Boulder not Boulder but uh, that's probably just my imagination um talk to us about Boulder surgical and uh networking events
1: okay well you know the the name Boulder b o l d e r was we we're very purposeful in picking that name to kind of represent our vision of what we're doing here and how we go about our you know our way of getting um accomplishing our mission and our vision and we like to say around here that uh, you know we we take on things that other people find too hard we're not looking for the easy path and we think the name bolder kind of reflects that you know obviously for those that know where we're located which is on the outskirts of the city of boulder which is spelled b o u l d e r there is some confusion sometimes but uh, for the most part, you know, we have customers throughout the United States and customers uh, throughout the world, really. Uh, we wanted our name to reflect kind of our mission and our vision to really you know, elevate surgery. And the name Boulder really reflects who we are and what we're trying to do. Thank you for that, Bob.
0: We're going to talk more about all of that in a moment, uh, but I really want to get Dave Kariakis involved here. Dave, uh, thanks again for being on the program.
2: No, thank you for including me, Pat.
0: So Dave, you recently became a partner at Providence Ventures. Prior to joining Providence, you'd been at River City's Capital Fund since 2012, most recently as a principal on healthcare practices, working closely with Varen Medical, where you were on the board of directors. You participated on the deal teams for River City's investments in Boulder Surgical, Tissue Tech, and Advanced Practice Strategies, among others. You also most recently served as president and board member of Mid-America Health Investors Network, where you represented roughly 60 active healthcare funds. Prior to River Cities, you served as a principal and investment advisor with American Financial Group and completed extensive training programs with Merrill Lynch and Procter & Gamble. You graduated from Indiana University's Kelly School of Business and received your MBA with a concentration in finance from Xavier's Williams College of Business. Did I miss anything, Dave?
2: No, that's plenty. Thank you Pat.
0: So Dave, you're new to the Providence Ventures team. Tell me a little bit about that. you know tell me uh, about the you know maybe the differences between your previous firm and where you are now with Providence. Sure.
2: yeah, I'll, I'll start by just saying that I was incredibly fortunate to have had the opportunity to learn from the team at River Cities. Uh, Carter McNabb and the other partners served as remarkable mentors for me over the seven years that I was there. It was during that time that I got exposure to Providence uh, and the team here, and started working with Jeff Stolte specifically. And always had a high level of respect and admiration for the team here and, and what they were doing. And so, when the opportunity presented itself, although a difficult decision, it was one I felt would offer a chance to continue to grow and develop my career uh, and get the experience of working within a large provider. Clearly, very different than a traditional venture capital fund and or Growth Equity Fund in River Cities. And Providence has is, is not disappointed. Uh, it's been a great experience and a great team to be working with, a, a platform to have good access to and really be a meaningful driver of change here in the, the healthcare landscape.
0: We're a big fan of the team over at Providence. We've had uh, we've had quite a, quite a few people uh, on the podcast, and the conversations are always great. And I'm always, always impressed with the efforts um, you know, to evolve uh, the medical industry, especially, obviously, through tech uh, for the better. So um, b- glad to have you on. Uh, tell us uh, how you came to know Bob Klein and Boulder Surgical.
2: So I actually knew Boulder before the name change uh, and prior to Bob coming on board, going back four or five years or so. The technology then, the team and the mission always warranted attention. At least from our team at, at River Cities and myself. Obviously, deals can take time, uh, and we were fortunate to watch the company mature over that time period. And seeing Bob and, and his background and, and the team that he was able to bring in and begin to fill out made us incredibly excited about the prospects of, of working with the company and the opportunity ahead of the company. It was it was one that was really got us excited.
0: So, Bob. I want to get your uh, perspective on, on something here. I want to talk a little bit about innovation. I want to actually talk about that with uh, with 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 both you guys. But I live in Seattle. I, ne- I live near one of the top children's hospitals in the U.S. And a former neighbor of mine led a surgical team there, and he himself operated on on smaller bodies, children and sometimes infants even. And I was always asking him about his work, and I tried to ask good questions. Uh, you know, I didn't want to bore the guy, obviously. And, but I never once thought to ask him about the actual size of the medical instruments he used. It did never even occur to me. And when I saw what Boulder surgical did, it was such a head slap moment for me. Like, you know, like, of course that exists. And I feel like that's what companies in the health tech sector, or even tech in general, they have, you know, that's what they have to do. You have to, you have to have an idea that kind of makes people slap themselves in the head. Um, maybe not always people like me, but you know. Uh, but Bob, your company, you know, has been and currently is working to innovate, to surprise people with your medical instrumentation, um, and to, to bring those solutions to life, and you know, and make medical professionals say things like "Of course." Not an easy thing to do. So I'd love to just hear, you know, how how do you look at innovation as president and CEO of an innovation company?
1: Well, I think your observations are pretty interesting, and and I've heard those type of comments before, and a lot of people ask, you know, it seems pretty obvious that the patient's smaller, so maybe the instruments should be smaller. Uh, the reality is, if, if all we were doing was to miniaturize the existing adult instrumentation, uh, somebody would have done that probably a long time ago. When you make the instruments smaller, and these are active mechanical or electrical devices that have very specific um, interaction and effect on tissue, when you make the instruments that are delivering these technologies smaller, you almost have to reinvent the technologies themselves. And so we haven't just miniaturized things, we've had to do things differently in order to be able to uh, provide the effect on the tissue and for the patient that's intended. And so that's a that takes a lot of out of the box thinking and grappling with issues that just others have never had to deal with before. And unfortunately when you talk about pediatric surgery there's never any question by anybody you talk to about the importance of the patient and doing you know your best for the patient as well as the surgeon who's doing the procedures. But the reality is, is that the number of pediatric procedures is much smaller than adult procedures. So economically, there hasn't been a lot of motivation for companies much bigger than our company to really focus on the pediatric world and to really try to create devices that can enable minimally invasive surgery and kind of bring pediatric surgery to the level of adult surgery. So there haven't been a lot of people who wanted to spend the time and the effort to create these devices, these smaller devices, until Boulder Surgical came along. And even for us, it was not a straightforward task, took many years of uh, research and development. But I'm happy to report that at this point, our technologies are out on the market. They're being adopted by the major pediatric hospitals throughout the United States and in other parts of the world. And through that process, we've been able to prove the differentiation of our technologies, not just in size, but in capability. When we look at innovation, it really starts with the need, the need of the patient and then the surgeon. And with our unique focus and capabilities, we've been able to do things that uh, other people haven't been able to uh, do in the past with surgical instruments.
0: That makes a lot of sense. It's funny, when I was learning about Boulder, I, you know, it just reminded me of a Winston Churchill quote, actually, where he says, I am sorry to have made such a long speech, but I did not have time to write a shorter one. And what kind of popped into my head was uh, the phrase, I am sorry to have made such a large medical instrument, but I did not have time to make a smaller one. Does it, Bob? Uh, in fact... I mean, it sounds like it based on your description here. It sounds like it takes longer to develop and manufacture the kinds of instruments you make at Boulder, simply because you're not just miniaturizing things. You have to re completely reinvent the instrument for you know either smaller bodies or minimally invasive procedures. Is uh, is that the case?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely the case. These are very delicate instruments, and and even when you haven't make them our size when they're adult size they're delicate and complex instruments and then when you make them smaller and you have to do some unique things in the design of the product it's not an easy task and it takes a lot of hard work and some real again out-of-the-box thinking or innovation to be able to build these instruments and to build them you know in volume and to deliver them to our patients and our surgeons on a regular basis it hasn't been an easy task, and and miniaturization does complicate a lot of things. The size of some of the parts of our products are, you know, almost can't see them with the naked eye, and but yet you have to have really high precision with those type of parts. Uh, so there's a lot of complexity associated with our instruments.
0: Yeah, I obviously have no trouble believing that whatsoever. So Dave, you know, I mentioned earlier sort of my head slap moment. Uh, learning about Boulder Surgical and what they did. I'd love to hear about innovation from your perspective. Um, You know, I mean, obviously, you know, you're not going to invest in a company unless it has done at least one thing that is truly innovative. How important is it to you that a medical technology company in your portfolio um, continue to innovate?
2: Yeah, I I think that's a a great question. I think, um, to a point that, that Bob was getting at and what you were just a second ago, uh, Boulder has given a voice to a set of patients who otherwise don't have one and tools for an important class of surgeons that have generally been ignored. Uh, and so innovating in this space has been a critical part of our thesis and has been widely ignored over the years. I, I think you touch on a good point in, you know, generally the unique nature of MedTech investing it's there are natural barriers to entry afforded by the regulatory process but that said it can also be a false sense of security I think you always have to have a level of paranoia and a drive to innovate and med tech investors and entrepreneurs survive because large med tech puts a value on innovation that is faster and more novel than what they can do internally so circling back I think that's exactly what has made us excited about all aspects of Boulder uh, and the team that that Bob has here I think that's This is one of the most accomplished teams and innovative teams in the industry and and what they are doing. And then they are routinely challenging what is perceived to be impossible from an engineering standpoint and balanced or or paired with the commercial prowess uh, to give it life in the market uh, and give a voice to those patients who otherwise don't have one and tools to an important class, a very important class of surgeons that have generally been ignored in, in pediatric surgeons.
0: It's so one of the things I love about doing this podcast is again and again, when I when I talk to the, you know, the medtech professionals in the field, it always comes up the fact that the most important thing is that we're looking after the needs of patients. And so I really like hearing that. And, there's, you know, just loads of patients out there. Very lucky to, to have uh, folks like you in- innovating on their on their behalf. So, Dave, I want to ask you another quick question here. Um, I, I want you to talk a little bit about how you work with Bob and Boulder Surgical. Are you uh, are you sort of involved with the day to day operations of their company? Do you kind of like to roll up the old pant legs and wade in to the uh, to the deep waters with them, or or do you prefer to be helpful from uh, from more of a, a bigger picture perspective?
2: Yeah, I take the approach, uh, and I think the Providence Ventures team takes the approach of we partner. Uh, and back world-class management teams. And the best thing we can do is really get out of their way uh, and allow them to do what they are hired to do. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I love rolling up my sleeves or pant legs. Um, (laughs) Either
0: either one, either one, right?
2: (laughs) Either one, roll up both. Uh, That's one of the best parts of my job, but I find that we can add most value by offering the strategic perspective, the unique customer feedback and input, the experience of investing in in other companies and and the trials and tribulations that they've faced and and the learnings along the way that we can bring to bear here and jumping in when called upon. Um, But I just try and get out of Bob's way and, and give him the resources he needs to execute on the shared mission that we have And I feel that's the best way I can add value is is really just get out of the way.
0: So, Bob, now uh, now with the support of Dave and Providence Ventures um, um, behind you, as well as some other investors, too, but specifically through that lens of, of, of having Providence Ventures on board, does that mean you are now evolving Boulder Surgical in a different way than you'd previously planned? Or is it are you more just in better shape to kind of stay the course that you've had in mind for a while?
1: No, we're, we're actively evolving the company and it kind of goes back to the rebranding, uh, you know, in the name of Boulder Surgical. And one of the things that uh, has developed prior to the financing with Providence, but kind of during the due diligence process is, um, you know, I mentioned that we had to reinvent our technologies to make them work in a smaller platform. Uh, but in doing that, we think we improved them quite a bit during our you know last two years we were approached by uh, the leading company in the uh, robotic surgical space intuitive surgical and they uh, obviously are doing something a lot different than we're doing but the robot does use uh, the type of technologies standard instruments on the robot include mechanical staplers and rf vessel sealing devices and especially on the vessel sealing side the robot's technology was uh, kind of subpar. And so we did a license deal with them uh, where we uh, agreed to give them an exclusive license for use of our uh, vessel sailing technology delivered through the robot, which is something we would never do. We're not going to build a robot. In doing that, we co-developed that technology and uh, they'll be launching our technology on their platform probably by the end of the year. And through that process, what we realized is that uh, the improvements we made in our technology in the small platform transferred to a larger platform. So, in other words, for the robot, they're not using the smaller devices, they're using adult size devices, but yet they're still uh, delivering improved. Uh, Benefits and outcomes to patients through the use of our technology. So, we made the name change because we will continue to evolve and look at products for pediatric patients, but our technology is very adaptable and can be used in adult surgery as well, to the benefits again of the patient and the surgeon. And so, our kind of mission and vision is to deliver our technologies uh, and the benefits of it to as many patients as possible, not just pediatric patients. And that really is the you know the reason for the rebranding. Our original name was Just Right Surgical, kind of with the Goldilocks uh, story in mind that uh, the size of our instruments were just right but and that's true for our pediatric patients and the reason why we're keeping that name of the instruments in the pediatric space but we're developing a whole host of additional instruments uh, based on the original technologies that will have applications not only in pediatric patients but in adult patients as well and the financing event that we had with provenance and the other investors really was the missing piece that we needed to be able to move Uh, forward with that vision that's good to hear It's,
0: it's really good to hear because essentially it's you end up with so many more flexible options that are great for patients and then of course there are benefits to uh to the business as well it allows you to you know to keep the business thriving and continue to uh you know look for for new technologies um dave where do you see uh boulder surgical going um, you know, just kind of based on some of the things Bob was talking about there, you know, and, and whatever timelines, fine, you know, you know, a couple years from now, three years from now, five years from now. Well, what, what are you what are you thinking about down the road?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the impact Boulder is having in pediatrics. Those are obvious. And but I'm also excited about the prospects of executing on, on what Bob just laid out and the clear advantages that the technology has uh, and affords. Patients and clinicians, it's hard not to be really excited about the prospects for the company. It makes us look great when we're paired with, with the best in class here.
1: I've been through the fundraising process many, many times uh, with many different uh, venture groups. And I have to say that uh, working with Dave when he was at River Cities and then later, later at Providence uh, was really a pleasure and very impressive and one of the reasons why i'm glad dave is an observer on our board as well as providence being you know an investor is um, he did probably as as thorough due diligence as i've ever seen um, as part of an investment uh, group and i think he really understands our business Uh, and as i previously stated in another uh, section here he understands the good the bad and the ugly of our business and now he brings to us the network of, of Providence, uh, where we can tap into people from time to time and get their input and help and assistance with some of the instruments that we're developing. Um, so it's a real uh, pleasure for us to have both Dave and Providence um, as a as an investor and an active investor in our company. What do you see as the most
0: important thing a young innovator should do to increase their chances? of success in in the medical technology field to really, you know, ultimately turn the head of someone like yourself.
2: I think the best advice I can offer is to surround yourself with talented, hardworking people who are smarter than you. And I'm clearly an example of that.
0: Me too. Every (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Yeah. And,
2: you know, I've, I've been fortunate to routinely find myself surrounded by brilliant and remarkably driven people at every step along my career uh, and I think startups are no different. The successful ones really are led by the teams themselves um, and diversified, talented, hardworking teams. Uh, and it, 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 there's got to be a com- competitive edge uh, to everything that you do. And when you surround yourself with people like that, you naturally drive yourself to to be better. Uh, so that would be my my primary uh, or my sole advice there.
0: No, I love it. It's good advice. Um, you know, it's such a, it's a, it's a hard field and it's, it's hard to, to do the kind of things that, uh, folks like you and, 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 and Bob and his team do. It's a, uh, it takes effort and commitment and drive and good ideas and, and a million other things. So it's kind of nice just to hear, to hear your, your, your thoughts on that. Um, Bob, give me some advice for, uh, for young innovators who are trying to trying to get to where you are in your career.
1: Okay. Um, Well, I always say everybody's path is different and there's no uh, recipe of how to be successful. Uh, You have to kind of figure it out as you go a little bit with whatever's unique. To your current situation. But there are a couple of principles that I kind of live by and have, have tried to instill in all the companies I've been involved with. And if I boil it down to one thing, it's, it's a saying I have, and I'm sure if you asked anybody in, in any of the companies I've been involved with, they could probably quote it to you. And that is, we always talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the reason when I say that is when you're trying to do something that's never been done before, it's really, really difficult. And failure is, you know, part of the process. And what can happen over time is that you can become so committed to what you're doing and it's so painful in trying to be successful that sometimes you start to believe your own story and you also focus on only the things that are going well. And it's just been my experience over time that it's the things that aren't going well is really the key to success and being willing to be open to um, be honest with yourself and everybody else about those things and to address them is is really the difference between, you know, survival and success. And so my advice when I talk to business school students or other people trying to start uh, companies is I always tell them, don't be afraid to talk about the things that are painful and hard because that's where you need to spend your time. And I think sometimes that uh, gets missed. People are so driven to be successful. Uh, they sometimes don't want to be honest with uh, the situation and therefore miss things that ultimately keep them from being successful. It's great advice. I think, that, <laughs> I think
0: that goes beyond in the medical technology field. That's uh, fantastic advice for, for anybody. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna walk out of here a new man. <laughs> Thank you for being on the podcast, Dave Kariakas from Providence Ventures and Bob Klein from Boulder, not Boulder, Surgical.
2: Yeah, Thank you, Pat.
1: Thank you.
0: That's it for this episode of Providence Ventures Radio, where we talk about funding the future of healthcare. If you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast or just want to tell us what's on your mind, please do that. We want to know. Check out the Prov Innovation channel on Medium and leave your thoughts or follow Providence Ventures on Twitter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again soon.